0: Hello and welcome to the Auburn Observer podcast. Justin Ferguson here, joined as always by my compatriot, Painter Sharpless. Hello, Painter.
1: My friend, good to be back, baby. Uh, good to be here with you.
0: Yeah, we are uh, recording this on a Sunday. Auburn had its second scrimmage of fall practice yesterday. Learned some stuff from that. If you check out at the Auburn Observer, we had the takeaways from last week of practice in the scrimmage. We're heading into a new week. Hope everybody has a Very safe, let me emphasize, safe Labor Day.
1: Have some fun, be with your family, have some beverages, whatever it is you do, but please come back to work. Just all in one piece. Yeah, Yeah. and also, you know, given COVID, that that
0: too. Speaking of COVID, you don't want to harp on it too much. But I think we need to go ahead and get this part out of the way, right? It's good news. And It's good news. It's good news for Auburn. So, Gus Malzahn said yesterday they had their testing on Sunday and Wednesday this past week. Zero positive tests. Now, they had nine the past week, which kept 16 players out of practice for the whole week. Malzahn said yesterday that that some of them were starters. Like, we don't know who's who is right. out there and not. We can we know who is out there, and you don't want to do, like, too much read into a process of elimination, because it might, a guy might not be popping up on camera. Or they He just just might not be talking to the media. So to have a week where they don't have any positive tests, hopefully those guys who are quarantining can come back. Zero negatives. I mean, zero positives, I should say. Great news
1: for Auburn. This doesn't speak anything of Pruitt or Tennessee. Like I'm not trying to slam them, but the news came out, I believe, that they had 44 Mm -hmm. cases. I'm sure Tennessee's doing their best. It's just a different set of circumstances. But to your point, Auburn probably feels pretty good about where it's at
0: yeah and Gus Malzahn said on Saturdays that we didn't adjust well to students being back on campus like part of the reason the SEC did this at this time is that they knew cases were going to rise as soon as people got back on campus right it's just gonna be a matter of managing it and so you space that out people come back onto campus you have about a month until football season maybe those numbers will be low and people kind of adjust and get back back under control by the time the season starts whether you think that's a good idea or a bad idea or the right idea or the wrong idea either way that was the thought process there and Malzahn said the first two weeks we were not prepared like we did not adjust well the third week we adjusted well and the proof is in the fact that they had zero positives this week um, so that is really good news they got to get those other 16 guys back this is the, about the best news that you could get at this point where it's like all right you went through it you learned and you adjusted you just didn't say well let's just operate as business as usual you learned from what it was like to have students back on <laughs> to, to have students back on campus um, I do know that here in Lee County hospitalizations are down but cases are kind of up so you hope that that you know those numbers don't kind of meet in the middle at some point again so it just sounds like after a stretch of some really negative news related to COVID, that was a good stretch for Auburn. We're recording on Sunday, as you said, they'll do one later today, they're off today for you. They're off on Labor Day. And Amazon said, you know, we're going to be around here. They're not expecting people to go home or, you know, go. they're still kind of in, in camp mode. So they, they feel Shout like going be Shout out to them for
1: getting some rest, though, letting them have the day. Like, that's nice. But yeah, also good that you're probably not sending people away. Right. Just take the day off, relax. They can get back into it.
0: First and foremost, that's the big news. People are week. healthy. People are healthy. Team is able to practice. Mm-hmm. It's a good sign for being able to play football in the fall, and most importantly, it's a good sign because, I mean, that's what you want to hear for the health of anyone affiliated with the program, that we don't know all of the effects and we don't know all of the, you know, what happens after you get COVID. Yeah, it does
1: seem like generally young people respond well on a statistical average, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are exceptions and we've seen cases where young people have either gotten very ill or even passed away, but these guys are pretty good athletes. You've referenced in the past, like Von Miller a few months ago got this and was yeah. like, yeah, that, well, that guy was an MVP and, it, you know, he said it kicked his butt. So like. It, right. Right. Can happen.
0: And then when you say you have no, lesser, you you have no positive test, you're talking about the spread going down. Like even if a lot of these guys are getting it and they're asymptomatic, part of the reason why this thing's still it's still hopping like it is right now in the United States is that there's so many asymptomatic cases and the virus just keeps going around. Good news for Auburn is that they're doing that after a week where you got to where you had to mispractice you know, almost 100 percent because of what you did, you know, the results that came out from your COVID-19 test. Positive news for Auburn this week. It also gets them, I think, back on track in terms of getting their practices in. Malzahn sounded very optimistic that they'd be able to get all their work in on time by the Kentucky game. They're going to try to have one more scrimmage. They might have a second scrimmage uh, as well, like closer to the, to the season. They've got two Saturdays between now and and, you know, the Kentucky game. Yeah, we're less than three weeks away from Auburn's season Thank opener. God.
1: What about the install? There were some comments about yeah. Bo's progression, and, of course, Auburn seems to be good on time because of the way they spaced everything out. But that said, there were some comments about Auburn's install having to be sped up, and that doesn't seem to be a problem.
0: Yeah, I think it was more of like they were able to speed it up because of, a guy like Bo Nix. So it wasn't necessarily
1: was it a have to thing or was it like this just we can do it, why are we not going faster?
0: From what we heard from Malzahn, it sounded like more of a case of we could do it. You know, we could install quicker this year because, you know, Bo Nix had kind of gotten adjusted to it. So you have some veterans on the offensive side, especially on your skill positions. You got you got some experience mm-hmm. coming back. Guys kinda have been through this before, so they're able to pick up on it quicker. And I think Nix's leadership and just the kind of the intangibles that he he's continuing to develop and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in this episode just it's really good news though because you missed how you didn't have spring practice you did a lot of this stuff through zoom as Nick Brahms was saying earlier this uh earlier this week when he when he was talking about offensive line play and Jack McNell and his influence on the offense it's like yeah you can go talk through all this stuff in zoom but when they finally got to be able to meet in person, face to face, even if it's just talking, it seemed to click. It seems to resonate better. It's, I think it's very similar to like going to school, the retention rate. If you are taking a virtual class, if you're on Zoom or you're, you know, you're doing, I mean, you took online classes right. in college. Like you didn't learn nearly as much as if it would have been in a, in a, uh, in, in an in-person class, and there's
1: some things where it's you can't do it without it. And so it's not the perfect comparison if we're comparing class and labs, but the idea is still that there is some in-person instruction and mistakes that need to be made to correct. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is undoubtedly valuable. Let's get
0: to the scrimmage. he plays about half and half run and pass. They said run it was a run heavy one the first time, so getting more to 50-50 was the, was the plan. The big play of the day, now this is interesting because we had just mentioned this. Sean Shivers 80-yard touchdown reception. I wrote about it on Sunday morning in the in the Auburn Observer, in the in the observations from from practices. Sean Shivers has like six catches for negative seven yards at Auburn. Yet, lo and behold, here comes Sean Shivers with a huge play. And we know like if he gets into spaces, just get the ball in his hands and go. It's just a matter of getting the receptions. And this is a big thing we had just we had talked about it. This is a big part of what Chad Morris wants to bring to the table. They throw the ball to the running backs.
1: I think you said Raheem Boyd in two years, 45 receptions. Booby Whitlow in the last two for Auburn as the lead receiver in the backfield, 21 yeah. receptions. So it's like basically, you know, a little more than double.
0: It's a bigger part of the game. We talked about how Mark Anthony Richards and Tank Bigsby, that was part of their appeal when Auburn went out to go recruit them, is that these are kind of every do it all kind of players. Look, we've said it all the time. I've said this is the future of football. Your running back's got to be able to be receiving options, and then you're going to start seeing receivers kind of blend in more as like motion into the backfield, doing sweeps and stuff like that. And we've seen more of that. I think now you're going to see more running backs being able to be ultra versatile. I mean, look at the NFL. Who does everybody want in your fantasy drafts? McCaffrey,
1: crafts? Kamara, anybody who even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire shot up because of, I think,
0: one, his oh. abilities, and two, the team he landed on. Saquon Barkley is a perfect example of that as well. Ezekiel Elliott's been a been a pretty good receiver in that Dallas offense uh, with Dak Prescott. It's, it's just the future of football, but the fact that Auburn is making an emphasis with some of these guys who aren't necessarily used to catching the ball, some of these returning players like Sean Shivers. Sean Shivers' game is, give me the ball, I'm going to run up the middle, I'm going to run through somebody or I'm, you know, I'm going to get that seam. And when I get it, it's going to be gone. But the fact that he was able to catch the ball out of the backfield and make a big play, I mean, that's great news, Robert, because this is a guy you talked about it uh, uh, the last episode we did with uh, with Josh. There's a thought that he's like, oh, he just he he doesn't have have bad hands hands
1: because they never do it. And it's like, maybe, but I don't know if you can just say that.
0: Right. That was the big uh, that was the big play. And I think it's just another sign of, like, that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to get the ball in these, in these uh, running backs' hands. They've got the skill set for it. Of course, a guy like Carol Joyner is perfect in that in that aspect because that's basically all he's done at Auburn is kind of be that receiving running back. And you back. mentioned Mark
1: Anthony Richards, but we've talked some about his brother recently. Also, you mentioned in your observations that he's one of the guys getting a look on special teams, I believe, for kickoff returns. Mm, punt return. Punt return, excuse me. And then... Like that guy in space, we know that's a part of his game. It's exciting to think about him getting the ball. What did you think? If you had to guess, how do you think Sean Shivers got that ball? I mean, there's really no way of knowing. But do you think that they, they moved him out in motion and, and threw a screen? Do you think that they threw a little underneath route and he was able to cut outside? Like, what do you think he was able to do? It's, there's really no way of knowing. I just think it's fun to guesstimate.
0: Wheel route. Oh yeah,
1: nah, yeah. That's
0: I'm that's thinking. Will, be I'm it. thinking. Wheel route. He got to use his straight line speed a little bit yeah. to get up. You know, kind of get that space. And I was take thinking off. that
1: they screened and blocked well out wide. But his, I think that's that's too. You're right. The
0: picture of the the picture of the touchdown that Todd sent out, and it's it's the lead photo from the observations. He, Is there anyone around him? Uh, not that I remember, and it's like you can tell like he's kind of got the the field pretty. You can guess. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna go wheel route, but I'm never going to guess against the wheel route. You've got You got to pick. Got to pick the wheel route. Uh, defensively, um, not a ton of news for Auburn on the on the defensive side from from Malzahn. in fact, they got three turnovers. Uh, Jamie and Sherwood. No surprise to anyone. He made a a big play, got an interception. Devin Geis, by the way. Shout out. Devin Geis, uh, Opelika's very own Devin Geis. Devin Geis is one of those dudes that you hear about a lot as a walk-on. He gets on the field a good bit, you know, as a reserve, uh, as a reserve cornerback. And, uh, like, especially in blowouts, you know, late situations when they're funneling in the second and third teams. Uh, he's a great athlete. Like, he is a really, really good just all-around athlete. And Do you Auburn, think he's in the rotation in some capacity? Because we've talked a good bit about those defensive
1: backs, and he is not a name that we are bringing up routinely.
0: I'll say this, and we'll talk about cornerbacks here, because um, there was another thing that Malzon brought up in that. We'll just switch right into that. I'll say this. Like, if they get into a spot where, like, a cornerback has to like, – cornerback or two has to sit out, I definitely think they can feel like they can put him out there and, and be fine in the rotation. He's had to play – I don't think maybe in SEC games a ton, but I, I do remember there have been some times where they've had to throw him out there, and he's been able to hold his own. Uh, so good for him. He gets a you know gets a gets a big scrimmage play. Speaking of cornerbacks, we talked a lot about Roger McCreary last week. No surprise here. Gus Malzahn's raving about him. You know, did
1: Schwartz also have Schwartz, good things to say?
0: Schwartz had a ton of good things to say about him. Read the story. You know, at, at, at the Auburn. Good Observer. timing,
1: by the way, on your part. I've noticed two things have happened since the Schwartz thing. One, other people on the team started talking mm-hmm. about. him. Him. And so that buzz among, I think, media members and fans also picked up right after you wrote that. And, and I think it helps, of course, that we got to hear from him. Yeah, And his teammates seem well, to— Well, then
0: McCreary, too. Like, yeah, and it,
1: it seems like his teammates believe basically what it is you argued is that Morris is giving him that opportunity.
0: Yeah, and Roger McCreary, it's been a—Gus uh, Mazzante, he's had an excellent camp. He's going to be the leader all the things we knew and again as the story wrote we wrote and we talked about last week the numbers say he's more than capable of that second cornerback spot though is one that's gotten a lot of attention it's Marco domio. And Nehemiah Pritchett. It sounds like back and forth. We've heard a little bit more about Pritchett than we have about Domeo. Makes sense. Domeo's still working his way right. in. He's still a relative newcomer to what Auburn is doing, especially on the defensive end. But hey, they're gonna have to rely on those guys. The interesting thing Malzahn said is that he also mentioned he also mentioned the fact that Matthew Hill's been working there and Jalen Simpson has been working
1: there. Yeah, I was uh, a little bit perplexed. I had mainly because of my conversations with you always envision Hill playing safety. Mm-hmm. What's going on there?
0: I guess it's just a, a, it, it's something where they need more corners maybe than they do safeties. Like, they need more natural cornerbacks. You know, safety, they've got guys like Chris Thompson Jr. back there. You know, you know... Uh, Jordan Peters, guys, like you know, uh, yeah. As long
1: as your guys are healthy, which this year of course. Askew, IQ, yeah, i Asquith, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I feel like it's safety. You're right, even though
0: there's and even Nickel, like you feel you feel pretty confident mm-hmm. about Nickel, especially if if a guy like Peters is is ready to go uh, this season and and is uh, is is a reliable guy, um, they can give you depth. So I think maybe just one of those things you need a little bit more natural corners. Trey Leonard's not uh, available this year uh, because he opted out. Hey, that was a depth guy. So it, it doesn't surprise me to see that they might have, if, if he was ready for it. I mean, mm-hmm. he is coming from wide receiver. So it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the, uh, no, no egg benogging thing. The fact that you, you had the mindset of a wide receiver could help you in, in trying to be a cornerback, uh, offensive line. I mean, af- after, we recorded the show, uh, that went up on Friday, Nick Brahms talked, it sounds like we have a tentative starting five on the offensive line. Like that would be the projection right now. It's kind of what we talked about with Josh. It seems very similar to what we had said. Austin Troxell at left tackle. You know, Brahms had said he had been become kind of a leader there. Left guard sounds like uh, Tayshawn Manning has continued to hold hold the spot there after, you know, last season he backed up Markel Harrell there. Uh, Brahms at center, of course. Right guard, Brandon Council is getting rave reviews. We said he's probably going to start somewhere. The versatility has come back up for he, him. He can move around. It feels like he's going to be a guy somewhere, and right guard makes the most sense. And then right tackle, of course, area Sam we learned that Alec Jackson is playing is playing some guard now we learned that King Andrew Jones is getting in with it with that first team uh uh look and we kind of learned I mean I asked I asked Brahms about uh, a guy like Brandon Coffee, who you heard a lot about and like the his answer made it sound like it might need a little bit more time for these guys to kind of develop into like Starter quality dudes like that are going to be ready to go. Why we said, and I think Josh brought it up last week, this free year that you're basically getting is going to be huge for some of these JUCO guys because it doesn't. You're not going to be. There's not as
1: much of a push to be like we need to go ahead and get him out there. Right. We've invested in a short term investment.
0: Right. Exactly. So, and I think I think that's that's a that's a good. And so I. You're gonna need ten. Gus Malzahn wants ten. It sounds Is like be- your- yeah. I mean, you don't hear a ton about him, and it makes it sound like he's just, he's just still working his way back from that injury. A guy like Camp Stutz can still can still be in the mix. We heard a lot about some of the young centers. That are working out behind behind Brom, so I would imagine Stutz and uh, and uh, Jalil Irvin might be the other ones. Are to you look consciously
1: at. optimistic about the group? It's there's really no way of knowing. You and I were joking about this the other day when we were talking about the offensive line. Like I tweeted this out. We don't know that these players are going to be good, but yeah. we also don't know they're going to be bad. You're projecting
0: here. I think it's really interesting because like this is the this is the off season where everything should be on fire right now, especially the it should be worst case scenario for the offensive line. Yet there seems to be kind of like a we're going to get it figured out kind of ability from, and that might be wishful thinking or just projecting like strength, I guess. To me, it sounds like the fact that they are kind of starting to close in on some guys maybe is a pretty good sign. Look, I don't know what they're going to look like. I think this is going to be an offensive line that's going to have to learn a lot on the fly. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. Yeah,
1: I do wonder the first couple games if we will see not just people at different positions, but if someone ends up pressing in a game and at some point, And maybe not. Maybe there's plenty of film and practice. or It's like uh, these are the five guys. You just need to figure out where they best belong.
0: It'll be one of those things, I think, where by the midway point of the season, we kind of know what it is, but it's going to take a little bit long. You're going to have to you to give them a little bit of grace, I think, early on when it comes to this uh, Auburn offensive line. What
1: do Brahms have to say about Bicknell? Uh, by the way, in terms of his coaching style, he seemed he, to talk a little bit more about the common sense approach, but also a little bit more of a precise approach.
0: He said it was like very much NFL type coach, which makes sense. Big Nell was, was an offensive line coach in the NFL, though the way technique has been taught. And some people are like, well, I thought, you know, technique was uh, the big thing for um, J.B. Grimes. And it's like, yeah, but like different coaches have different ways of teaching technique. So I think this is just Auburn's adapting and adjusting to what Bignell is teaching in terms of technique. Doesn't necessarily make it better or worse than what Grimes did. Like I like I I just know that there are different different coaches de- teach different things and Brahms was saying, "Well, this guy's intense. He's very he's very focused, but he brings it out like an NFL coach. He's like, this is, you know, how we coach it and how we train it up at the next level." So it's a pretty it's a pretty good demand, I think, especially for an offensive line that's got to grow in a hurry. Um, you're going to want a guy in there that gets that technique. I think that's pretty much it. They, they seem to do a lot of special teams work in the scrimmage. We'll see what that go, goes like. Oscar Chapman's uh, going to practice this week, the new Australian punter. Also Malcolm Johnson Jr., uh, the reclassified wide receiver. He's kind of like Anthony Schwartz Jr. Um, in terms of his just pure speed. Wasn't able to play his high school ball in Virginia this year. They canceled it, so he decided, hey, I'm going to go reclassify and play college football this year. He'll be out there. Uh, this upcoming week, as well, uh, Malzahn says some good things about Anders Carlson and his development. I mean, it's just going to be one of those things: is can the can the offense help him out and not send him out there on missions to kick fifty-five yard field goals every possession? That would be, I think, the 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 bigger uh thing for him um and uh i think the other thing that i thought was interesting it seems like grant lloyd the bat the the bowling green transfer seems to be carving out that second player spot like that that's te- uh, what i can't even talk right now backup quarterback well we ha- i think it maybe it came player. up in the mailbag what mail the heck bag. are you doing <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what what I don't know how they phrased the question, but essentially it was, what's going to happen? And I think we were projecting Cord at the time because mm-hmm. yeah. we just didn't know what Loy brought. But from what we're hearing, yeah. it sounds like— and It I makes sense. Yeah, and I don't think that's a huge surprise if you brought a guy in and we've talked— He's even, got FBS starting experience. And we, we've joked some, like, Cord's going to be a coach one day and then probably here. a good one. But, like, we didn't. I would have been surprised in a lot of ways if we we saw him trot out against Kentucky or whatever in a worst-case scenario.
0: Shio Gar- Garnett got some work uh, yesterday in the scrimmage. I think it'll be very interesting to see. I wrote it in the mailbag. What happens if Auburn is blowing somebody out? Now, it's going to be a little bit tougher to find those this year because it's a weird year and an SEC year. But what happens if Auburn's up big in the fourth quarter? Do they throw Loy out there, or do they let Garnett get some reps? Because he is one of the future. I think
1: Loy is your immediate need. If something happens to Bo Nix. Exactly, and so I, I, I am curious to see how they try to work in his youth and the scenario in which it will take.
0: Roster news, uh, Connice Miller Jr. officially no longer on the team. This was a story that um, broke Thursday when we recorded the show on Thursday afternoon. Uh, It was like an hour later. uh, Philip Marshall at Auburn Undercover came out with the report that said that uh, Miller would no longer be with the team. There was some sort of altercation at practice on Wednesday. He was asked to leave, reportedly, came to an end on Thursday. Malzon confirmed it on Saturday that he is no longer at Auburn there was when the when the Miller News dropped on Thursday there was a there were a few people I saw on Twitter some fans that were I don't want to say worried but like started eyeballing it a little bit that defensive tackle situation Tyron Truesdale talked on Friday he got put in a really bad situation trying to answer these like sort of questions about conness and it's like that's not his job like the coach has to need to has to go that is that's tough it's a it's a tough tough spot you
1: don't want to throw
0: conness i hate it at a number of angles yeah you don't want to throw
1: conness under the bus if you're him but you also want to make it sound like hey we're gonna be fine yeah that's not his his routine where you have to be like yeah well conness was good but we're gonna be fine
0: also it's not his job to like confirm it yeah, it's it's a t- it's a tough spot to be in for a player. It's just a casualty of like how these press conferences are being run right now in terms of players before coach, you know, one of those things just cuz set up. And the so,
1: timing of the news, right. Right,
0: exactly. The defensive tackle depth, I think is going to be I think they're going to be fine. I know there's some worries out there but um, you know, even without Miller who's a guy who could have been a starter. Like I think it hurts Auburn in the fact of this guy I think has talent and it just never seemed to work at Auburn in and terms of And it was a bit
1: of, disappointing I think to hear his teammates really feel like he was turning a corner. I guess it was, it was at the end of last yep. season where some guys like Nolan Davidson yeah. and Derek Brown had some really high praise for him, and maybe it wasn't consistent enough, but it did seem like we were hearing, okay, yeah. it's clicking for Connors.
0: Right, and I think at the defensive tackle spot, you know, you lose out in a potential starter, but it's, it's one of those things where if Daquan Newkirk is healthy— this season, he's a guy that a lot of people like his upside because of his 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 size Insane and strength. Yeah, his the fact that he's stronger than Derek Brown should tell you a lot. But he's also still got that that quick first step. He's very explosive.
1: Did you have a video of him as a running back? He in was a high running school?
0: back and defensive end in high school, and he was a defensive end in junior college as well. Terrifying. And now he's you know nearly three hundred pounds and like. It's just a yeah. He he's still got that kind of athlete instinct in a guy that's much bigger than the than the uh, the average athlete, I guess would be the best way to put it. My favorite newcomer. Dre Butler. Yeah, Dre Butler is like, and that was the thing, because he came in, they were saying like, oh, he could play in, he could play tackle. Um, I always think he was an edge rusher. I mean, he was like a pure, like one of the best sack guys in junior college football last season. He's listed on the roster as a defensive tackle. So I think that's where they're going to probably get him, especially now with, you know, it was with Miller. There's probably a void. There's a void there. You went out and got Marquise Burks, who has gotten some pretty good reviews early on in camp. There's also, you got to keep in mind, Jaron Handy is someone who could still be in the mix there he at least gets some
1: snaps this year right because rodney likes to play his young guys
0: yes malzahn said it on 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 saturday he likes to play 10 the thing about that handy who is interesting is also i don't want to fail to mention jay hardy i mean the dude that you wanted to keep so badly top 100 player you cap him out of tennessee's grasp uh is also in there he's gotten some really good looks early um some high praise for him the, the defensive and the newcomers, whether it's Akevius Walker, whether it's these Juco guys, whether it's a guy like Hardy, have gotten a lot of high praise early on that they've been ready to go and say, players and coaches said, these guys are going to be ready to contribute this year. I think the one thing that you got to keep in mind with Jaron Handy is he was a defensive end in high school, can play tackle. He's the only player on the roster that does not have a real designation yeah. next to his name. He is defensive line.
1: Very, very uh, broad.
0: Where everybody else is either an and or a tackle or a buck. So the fact that Handy is... Defensive line makes me think that they can kind of move him around. I think they'll be fine. I know why some people are worried. They've got five six defensive guys who can play defense attack. They'll be ready. They'll be fine. On top of that, we'll see where it goes on from in. You know, Big cap Bryant's going to be ready. T D Moultrie getting some more love. Tyron Truex. talking about his work ethic has just been off the charts. That it, it's a good battle between him and Derek Hall, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, Derek Hall's going to be the starter. Might still be the case, but like the fact that Moultrie, as a senior, is putting up such a good fight I think has got to be encouraging.
1: I'm curious about TD in part because we've been told that he's coming along on more than one occasion, but also who was it that you heard from that talked... Very glowingly about how hard he's working. I'm optimistic that in some way we get to see that that side of him, which we've heard about now for two or three years. I hope it's more consistent.
0: The thing with Moultrie is that if you looked at his numbers last year, he got to the quarterback. It's just maybe a little bit too much over-pursuing. You know, kind of getting out of your angle, overrunning the quarterback. Basically, we know he's had some issues jumping offsides. Did in, you in compare him
1: to Marlon, and that Marlon was trying to finish plays more, or
0: is there, are they not in the same? Is that I not, think it's very similar. It's like this is his senior year. Can he find a way to like turn it up? Now he didn't have the he didn't have the Marlon, Marlon was
1: still productive even without finishing on some plays.
0: Same thing with Big Cat Bryant. T D Moultrie just didn't have a ton of opportunities last year, but there were some games like the Florida game specifically. I remember he was getting after. Kyle Trask pretty well, so we'll see how how that works. Switching gears to the offensive side of the ball, Bo Nix. A lot of talk about Bo Nix these last couple of days. We mentioned the sped-up install,
1: but I think that's just a part of the equation. It seems like people have talked a lot about the way... Because he, he did show confidence last year as a yeah. freshman. I think just by not Especially being rattled. Especially in some big games.
0: Yeah, just the, Oregon, Alabama, those games like A&M on the road. Mm-hmm. But
1: it seems like he's having more fun this year. Right?
0: That's the thing. It's, you seem to see a little bit more, from, the, from what we've heard from players, confidence. Confidence has been the big word with Bo Nix, in that he, it feels like he's more in command of the offense. He's a guy who's going up and 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 reading defenses better pre-snap. You know, calling out uh, protections. Doing different things with the pressure, just diagnosing in place. Natural,
1: it's got to be tough as a true freshman to come in and you want to be the leader of the offense because it's natural for the quarterback to do so. But you're also like, I'm new here. I don't want to be telling my teammates, some of which will be professionals next year, you need to be doing this, this, and this. Yeah. And as the year went on, I saw him doing more of that. Right. But now you're a sophomore. You had a great start to your fresh. Well, statistically, you had an okay start, but the the end result of nine wins as a true freshman and getting SEC. Freshman of the year, good. Obviously, generally a win for Auburn. So I would say, like, he should be more comfortable. He should feel better about being vocal because you've earned that.
0: And it's it's just a deepening of these intangibles that we've heard about Bo Nix is just his leadership, his confidence, his ability to do stuff. Like that's why he was a five star. You know, it's just that that he is the quarterback he is what you want as the guy behind center that's why he was a true freshman starter at auburn that was just so so rare not only at auburn but in the sec to be a true freshman starting quarterback he did a lot of the things really well last year and it sounds like he's only getting better at this problem was is that the arm he had games where it was just really bad and his overall numbers suffered because of it and that's the big difference if I mean, what are we thinking?
1: Florida, LSU, and Georgia, Georgia. essentially. Because, yeah. you know, he, Minnesota, I mean, he wasn't great. Yeah, and he wasn't spectacular in the Iron Bowl, but
0: he made some good plays. He made
1: some really crucial plays. Yeah. And to your point about the intangibles, like you talk about not letting the moment. And he had just sort of had this disappointing play in the game before, I guess, against Georgia, mm-hmm. where he misses Booby Whitlow, or was it Joiner? One of the Joyner. other. And it's like you know that didn't seem to be a problem. So, I, but
0: they fought to the comeback. They 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 made it, made it you know made it close against short and LSU. You know still had a chance there uh, down the stretch, just trying to get back into the game. Those are the things that you get better at that when you're playing against air, when you're not getting hit, when you're scrimmaging, and you know it's a little bit you're playing against guys you know those are the things that really build up and then let's see how much that has an effect on his arm because his accuracy numbers have to improve everyone who watched him last year can tell that it's why everyone who doesn't think he's going to be a good quarterback in the college level think well look at his numbers they're not great can he make the step up can he make the jump if you're saying he's more confident he's diagnosing plays better he's reading defenses better he's Taking more command in the, you know, of the team, I would say in the huddle, but they don't do that. If he's doing that, you would think, okay, those can build on and, and say that could pop up statistically. Because if you're if you're more confident, if you're diagnosing things better, if you're processing things better, you would think that the numbers will take a step forward in that regard. But the other thing on top of that though is confidence. If your quarterback is confident, if he's playing with more confidence, guess who else is gonna be playing with more confidence? Everybody around him. They feed off of that. He's the leader. He is the face of the team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Guys, well, you got guys a bunch of young excited. guys
1: on the line, and probably two of your running backs will be. Uh young players who've had no college experience and then dj williams and sean shivers have not been asked to carry i guess a huge load and then (laughs) on the offensive line obviously we've spent this entire offseason talking about the new faces all of that extremely important and then the wide receivers like we'll just see will that connection be a little bit better and also what about players not named seth williams this year can they be a little more productive if Bo is better i think the obvious answer would be yes
0: so we'll see how much that affects nicks moving moving forward but it definitely is a good sign for his future he's playing with a lot more confidence and that his teammates are noticing improvement from him and we'll see how that gets unleashed in a chad morris offense here in 2020 all right last week the last episode we did we ran through uh kind of the malzahn era we're going to do it position by position we did running backs kind of went, talked about the ups and the downs and the evolution of the position under Malzahn. This episode, we're going to switch gears. We're going to go to the defense side of the ball. We're going to talk about one that has had a pretty natural evolution, and that is just kind of a steady incline. Um, I think there was a massive jump at one point, and then it's been an incline on top of that. And, of course, we're talking about the linebackers at Auburn, a position group that for about a decade like you did not hear a lot about them it was early 2000s you had well travis williams who's now the auburn linebackers coach was part of that last big wave you had don terrys thomas and of course carlos dansby and like that was a hallmark of you know that tupperville era kind of teams that they were going to play with really good linebacker play you had some good ones there from a stretch before Malzahn arrived as head coach, but they weren't like elite players. Like you did have the Josh Bynes types of the world. Yeah, Bynes
1: has ended up having a nice career, got another contract in the NFL. Yeah,
0: but was an undrafted
1: free agent for what it's worth. I, I don't think scouts thought that would be the case right out of college.
0: So we we talk about Auburn's linebackers, and it's 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 kind of a half and half thing. It's the pre-Steel era and the Steel era is is kind of where you see the difference. 2013 your key linebackers that season you talk about how Auburn gets to the to the national title game on the strength of that offense that defense at times look good at times had some rough games there were high scoring ones there was more talent you would think about in the secondary on the defensive line that was like early Carl Lawson and Mont Adams of course D Ford you know ran wild that year secondary you knew you knew that Jonathan Jones and those guys were going to another undrafted free agent that's gotten a second contract um you knew that there was some talent there because they were like all SEC type players linebacker though kind of got overlooked for for good reason um there just wasn't a lot of high level production there and you know people pointed that out as the weakness of the defense guys like Casanova McKenzie Chris Frost productive players in that early run for Mal, for Malzon. you know there were several years where they were just tackle machines but on defenses that just weren't great right so like you kind of get that knock on you uh, Jake Holland I mean I don't want to harp on it too much he received quite a bit of criticism yeah, during it yeah, during, was during.
1: certainly uh, true he got College students were not kind. We're to not very peer. kind. Very kind. Frost, I always think about, and maybe I'm remembering four or five star. Yeah, and I'm remembering this. Uh, I hope correctly, but I thought he had like a particularly good game in 2013 against Manziel. They just used him as a spy out there in College Station when Auburn upset the Aggies. Was that? Am I remembering that correctly? That he had, like, to your, yeah. uh, oh, your yeah, tackle yeah. machine, it's just like you're athletic enough to follow Johnny Manziel around and mm-hmm. make sure that he doesn't do what he did to us. And a-
0: Casanova McKenzie had such an interesting career because it was like he was a linebacker and he also he was a buck for a little bit. Like, it was, it felt like he never really got a net. I would love to see, all right, I'll say this. I would have loved to have seen Casanova McKenzie and Chris Frost in a Kevin Steele defense. Like, what how, What could he have done with them? You know, I think they just appeared a little too early in the Malzahn oh, wow. era. Some other guys that were kind of more depth pieces during the this, Time Anthony Swain, Javier Mitchell, Justin Garrett, Kenny Flowers—just guys that were rotation pieces. Some of them had some big moments. I remember, Justin Garrett was a guy that people talked about a good bit, kind of early on. Um, highs and lows from him. Unspectacular production from the linebacker position, and on a defense. But like, that's the thing—is like they were the middle guys. They were kind of the cornerstone of defenses. Were. It's not good they they were just average average defenses to below average in, in some cases and so they got a lot of flag for it auburn tries to address some of that by making more of an emphasis in recruiting they land trey williams five-star linebacker from uh, mobile it was such a big pickup to get him trey williams early in his career a productive guy a guy that you could look on as a leader it's just man he could not stay completely healthy and so the injuries kind of snake bit him and Kind of took down, I think, his progress because I mean he's a former five-star guy. He just had so many injuries, and it felt like he never you really kind of got out of that second or third gear. Getting his start in coaching, by the way, uh after a little run, he, he played in the XFL for a minute. Good, I mean, good for him. He's done, you know, he was on Auburn's staff for a little bit. Yeah, I think Trey Williams is like the great what if. There's no doubt about it. He had talent, but those injuries just kind of piled up on him. He by he the push, end of his career, it was just like you knew he wasn't quite the same.
1: Did he force the fumble against Jalen Hurts in 2017?
0: That sounds right. That sounds Small right. Small detail. Yeah, moving on from. There you also had Cameron Tony and that makes you know, that that's a, that's another guy that you know had, had his high points at Auburn. And then here comes the change. And the change comes from probably the least likely source. Deshaun Davis comes into Auburn in 2015.
1: Do you he, remember how optimistic the fan base was about the linebacker group heading into 2016?
0: Not at all. Yeah, that's yeah. that's generally what I remember. Yeah, so in 2015, Deshaun Davis comes in. It's the uh, it's the Will Muschamp champ era. Of of linebackers, he's the undersized kid from Mobile, um, and he just was not going to play under under uh, Muschamp. He barely got on the field, and it was like he needed a reset. He had talked about it in the past. The fact that Kevin Steele came in was big for his career because he had, he felt like the, last co- the, the previous regime on the defensive side just wasn't going to give him a fair shake. However, all those guys we had just mentioned, out the door heading into the 2016 season, Auburn has little to no experience at linebacker heading into 2016. It's a new defensive coordinator. Travis Williams is now your linebacker's coach. What are they going to do? Well, they rely on Deshaun Davis and they rely on Darrell Williams who had been a, a new pickup also for Auburn. Another guy, highly rated dude coming out of high school, played at Hoover, getting a guy like him instead instead of him going to Alabama was big. Auburn relies on those two guys to kind of do the work. They start their season against eventual national champion Clemson, Deshaun Watson, they don't win, but it had nothing to
1: do with the defensive play. Defense <laughs> play
0: out of their minds in that game. And it was the, the tone setter that was like... Auburn
1: fans were shocked. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the thought was, okay, can the defense just be adequate and can the offense overperform? And in fact, it was the defense that looked incredible and the offense, well, we could talk about the quarterback play in that game for a long
0: time. Exactly. The thing that strikes me so much about, about this linebacker era for Auburn is that the switch came from underrated guys it was from a guy like deshaun davis who was a three star and people thought was too small you know maybe too slow to play at a high level no he was an all sec linebacker and then on top of that then they start recruiting at a higher level and we'll get to that these guys at the end that auburn linebacker group is now just it's a such a star-studded group but it started because a guy like deshaun davis was the face of the defense he got his chance and he made full use of it tackle machine heartbeat of the defense he could die, and, you know. Yes, he wasn't the fastest dude in the world, and yes, he wasn't the strongest or the biggest of the linebacker. But the fact that he could just watch, because he was such a film eater all the time, that he could just look at, at the at the, defense, at the offense, and know what was coming. Made a lot of big plays off that. Trey Williams, that was probably his best year for contributions. He helped out with Darrell Williams. Auburn moves Montavious Atkinson from safety to linebacker. During this time, he gives them more depth. He gives them that run everywhere and hit people hard kind of uh, kind of playmaker. <laughs> Atkinson comes in, and, and you get. some... Some guys in this era that kind of fall through the wayside. TJ Neal, they go get a, they go get an Illinois linebacker that was, you know, somebody they thought, oh, okay, FBS, we need experience. These younger guys end up out playing him. Was, Neal falls by the wayside. I there. remember
1: thinking that Neal would be more of a factor yeah. in that season he came in, and that didn't happen.
0: Trey Threat. Linebacker Buck, we, it never really felt like right. he had a had a home uh, uh, on the defense. He ends up transferring to Jacksonville State, um, finishing up his career there with like everybody else who, play, who left Auburn and <laughs> played at Jacksonville State. Uh, Richard McBride, who had a really scary injury at one point. He's at SMU. Another guy that he came at a time where when you only play two linebackers on the field at a time and there's three or four of them that are playing at a high level, you kind of have to – it's, it it's harder to get you
1: time. It's harder to
0: get playing time. And then – Auburn starts catching this wave. Travis Williams really cements himself as a really high-level recruiter. They get KJ Britt, another dude. Keep him from Alabama. Inside linebacker, one of the best ones in the country, one of the top players in the state. He's from Oxford. He commits to Auburn. He has the video on Halloween, uh, (laughs) the the the, the trick or treat one uh, that when you know when when Bleacher Report used to do that, and that was like the only thing they did. Um, (laughs) So KJ Britt, uh, KJ Britt comes in and he starts kind of be the in the next wave. And we've seen it now this year. We saw it last year. Just kind of picking up where Deshaun Davis left off. Now with a dude who was just a higher rated recruit. A little bit faster. A little bit bigger. He's just got he's he's that kind of guy that brings that kind of instinct and that leadership. And and all the stuff that you loved about Deshaun Davis. Just with a guy who has more of the prototype body at inside linebacker. Very interesting to see how he, he improves his game next year. Because I think he's got what it takes to play linebacker at the next level. And I think a lot of people do that as well. He was an all-SEC linebacker last season. Uh, There's there's your thing. The fact that Auburn had all SEC linebackers in this stretch with Davis and Britt, the last one before those guys was Travis Williams.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it it has been good to see the consistency improve, and I think now Auburn fans, much like the defensive line, Travis Williams has created an an expectation where it's like, I, I don't care who's leaving. Auburn fans expect the next linebacker core to be just as good.
0: Also joining around this time, Chandler Wooten. A guy who was a three star coming out of high school at North Cobb in the Atlanta area. Thing with Wooten is that he was a three star player, but he was an Under Armour All American. His film really spoke for itself, even if the recruiting ratings and all that hype, he didn't really kind of play that game that much. Wooten has come in and has been, he he strikes me a lot of like with what Auburn's got out of Jordan Peters and maybe an Eli Stove on the defense line. Not going to be your superstar, but is going to be a guy that gives you a lot. Uh, He has opted out this year. He says he is going to play. Uh, you know, hopefully in 2021. Of course, you can't talk about uh, Chandler Wood without talking about this year how outspoken he's been on social on social issues, uh, things relate, relating to things like police brutality, um, you know, racial injustice, uh, and he has been really really outspoken and been a leader in that in that aspect. So even though he's not playing this year, he's got a kid on the way. Uh, really big year for him. You know, a, a guy that I think a lot of Auburn fans have really picked up on and, and has t- have taken a liking to, not just because of his play. He's been a really good player, um, and is one of those dudes that even if he's not the superstar, he brings it all the time. But uh, yeah, I mean you can't ever, you can't say enough good things about Chandler Wooden, and I know Auburn fans will be ready to see him back on the field again uh, after this season. Um, moving on from there, you had Michael Harris, and oh boy. Uh, didn't work out here, go somewhere else, and there was a tough situation there with him. You hope he's, you hope he ends up, everything ends up well from that. I
1: think just important to remember like, we wouldn't want to be judged on our worst moment. I know I wouldn't because I've got a lot of them, especially from being about that age. Yeah. And then the other part like, he's young. Yeah, let's hope that he moves on and life gets, but, yeah, uh, gets and, a little bit better,
0: and, and gets and gets the help that he needs Absolutely. to get him o- get him over. Absolutely. You know the incidents that, that, that he had, the incidents in the past. Uh, Josh Marsh he opted out this year. Uh, Josh Marsh is one of those cool stories where it was like he went to a camp and ran really fast, and they were like. All right, buddy. Would we'll you like? We'll give a, you a chance. We'll give you a shot, and he's like, "Yeah, absolutely. I would love to play at Auburn." And so may never be more than a special teams guy, but you know, and he's had injuries as well. That's that's kind of you know kept him in neutral a little bit. But you want to do? You can run fast and do anything, anything you, <laughs> that you want on the field. He'll a, a real uh, a real special teams demon. I think is is the kind of end. Goal Auburn's for had him.
1: some guys who have made careers out of that as great college players. Uh, Craig Sanders comes to mind. Yeah. I guess he eventually got on the field more as a linebacker. I think in my remembering that correctly Mm -hmm. but even like uh we've referenced defensive
0: line there too for a little bit yeah and
1: we've referenced a few players who went on to get contracts in the nfl for basically being just special teamers and so that's not uh that's not not, not not nothing
0: yeah exactly exactly uh oc brothers also uh a guy that i think might be in that same kind of ballpark um see how much he gets to break into kind of the rotation this year and, and be a depth piece Owen Popo, big number zero now and what else can you say about this dude one of the most naturally gifted players Auburn has picked up in a very long time he holds the uh, Spark combine record at Nike camps I mean just overall athleticism and the like,
1: timing of him coming in with Knicks it was like yep you got your leader on the offense and there's your leader on the defense they wore the same
0: number now now Popo's wearing zero which is really cool and uh, I think it's going to really kind of he's going to be a star I mean everybody knows he kind of already is. Um, but it's interesting because uh, it's the excitement, the
1: eagerness from Auburn fans is there because you can tell how talented he is and he got on the field early. He just happens to also be on the field at a position with some guys who are uber talented that could be professionals themselves
0: right right for sure zacoby McLean, i accidentally skipped over him look man we've talked about him another he was a high four-star is there guy. anyone you're more you excited
1: still, about on the defense side of the ball? i just
0: i just think he we saw how he finished the year last year and i'm not just talking about the pick six but just the way he played towards the end of the season it's just he's got so much talent um him and i think McLean and popo and Britt, i mean together that's you're gonna it's gonna you're gonna be hard pressed to find better linebacker groups in the SEC than than that trio right there and they're they're gonna get to do it again uh, at a really high level but yeah Popo, I mean the more the more football comes into just a pace and space kind of game um, you want to have linebackers who can run and cover and he covers like a defensive back and he hits like a linebacker and he rushes the passer like a defensive end he is he is uh he's a shorter version of Isaiah Simmons I think that's kind of his his end goal I think.
1: Um, you see him at safety in the NFL more than likely. Some, some people,
0: a lot of people, think he's going to end up being a safety in the NFL. But I would say that these undersized linebackers might just stay a linebacker in the NFL because of the way
1: the game is going, especially like
0: is it like if you want to be a nickel linebacker, right? You know, can you can you end up having a uh, having a good career? I mean, there right. are guys who get big contracts by just playing nickel linebacker. So, it, I mean, just a huge. I'm expecting huge years from both Popo and McLean. I don't think anybody uh, would object to that. Cameron Brown. Uh, Derrick Brown's a younger brother uh, had approximately nine billion tackles uh, mm. in his high school career. Played in a good high school too, yeah. Yeah, Lanier. Yeah, um, he's just small. I mean, he's just a small guy. He's kind of like Deshaun Davis in that aspect. And if he works
1: anything like Derek does, he'll get on the field. Maybe he'll never be the NFL prospect that his brother became. He might
0: just be a special team superstar as well, like Marsh could be. I mean, like I think either one of those guys and. Like I won't, I wouldn't doubt that Brown could get find his way in his rotation right. some way because of his work ethic and man, he just you watch his film in high school and it's like he was making a tackle on every play. It's just like all right, well
1: the fact that he's small, yeah, might hinder. I don't um, care, but yeah. yeah. It's like I don't also care when you're that good. That like right. uh, this, you know, th- we, there are plenty of examples of exceptions where guys were not the right size and still made it work.
0: Very cool that Cameron Brown got to play a year with Derek you know that end and they, of all years that year that year especially Brown was just really cool. so good last year this brings us to the final three the 2020 class, Wesley Steiner. Well, oh. if, you, if you put Owen Popo in a cloning machine, maybe tweaked it a little bit, that's what you would get in Wesley Steiner. Not yeah. a five-star, but a high four-star that a lot of people wanted. I mean, he just does a lot of the same. I think that's the prototype linebacker he in came the future up, for Robert.
1: He came up on the pod with Josh when we spoke about him briefly, and I mm-hmm. guess you guys both expect him to find his way onto the field, even given how... Uh, pack that group is.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a weird year, but I think Steiner gets on the field. Desmond Tis- Tisdal, another guy, uh, highly radio, Him and Cameron Riley, very interested to see if any of those are kind of bucks or if they keep them at linebacker or what do they do. You know, I think of those two Tisdall and Riley. I think there's a future Daryl Williams in that group where it's just like kind of do everything. Maybe a future Zakoden McLean in terms of like, oh, we'll we'll ask you to do anything and you're just gonna run and try to run through through the the human being who has the ball. Like that seems to me like those are those prototypes. Whereas a guy like Steiner, more like the popo coverage. Now, the linebacker group for so long, they had gotten picked on as the weakness of the team. They were the Achilles heel of a defense that couldn't get out. They couldn't get out of mediocrity. Lo and behold. It takes Deshaun Davis and Daryl Williams, that class. Not even highly rated dudes. I mean, Williams was a pretty good recruit. But they kind of flip the switch. Trey Williams having to overcome injury. They flip the switch for Auburn. And then under Kevin Steele's leadership on defense, Travis Williams, they just take off. And now the recruiting's only getting better. Those guys, Steiner, Tisdell, rally, those are all four-star guys. Popo was a top 10 player in, in, in high school.
1: Um, it is not a perfect comparison, but I suppose in a way you can liken it to what Bruce Pearl is having happen right now when you have yeah, these players you know, that that's a you great develop. Example. And then it's like, well, now we're recruiting, you know, when I say we, is the coaching staff is recruiting at a level in which it's like, all right, well, if we can get similar productivity out of guys who are probably really the big advantage is they're just more athletic, uh, that's going to go well.
0: That's going to go real well. So, yeah, our lineback- that's the linebacker crew kind of breakdown. I think everybody kind of feels the same way. It's just that Auburn's linebackers are here. And they're back. Yeah, bar- the way any, the way they've been recruiting, it should be it should be good for a while.
1: Barring any kind of just absolute deficiency because of injuries or some unforeseen mm-hmm. problem because of COVID, you expect this group to be. I don't know if you can say the best, but you might say the best on the team in part because of just how much they return. Uh, the defensive line is always consistent, but it will have more new faces on it. And, like, wide receiver, while I feel really good about the position, part of that hinges on how good the offensive line can be and how how much progress Bo Nix makes. I think you can essentially assume this linebacker core will only pick up where it left off last year.
0: Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, all right, new week coming up here for uh, for Auburn football practice. They are now hitting into week four. Uh, Malzahn said on Saturday that they're going to have a personnel meeting again on Monday. They're going to start implementing the Kentucky game plan moving forward. Started to filter that in a little bit. But he said, we're still kind of developing our foundation, our techniques, and our fundamentals. Uh, that's really the big thing. Timing wise, we'll have another scrimmage this upcoming Saturday. It'll be more situational. A lot of this was more kind of like just put the ball down, play football, um, get the young guys out there, run some special team stuff. This will be more like red zone, two minute, kind of the the. What kind of separates you in in camp, that real football kind of feel because you got to be the best at situations that usually can, is what wins and loses your game. Can you convert in the red zone? can you stop in the red zone? What are you gonna do in a two minutes situation? What are you gonna do on third downs?
1: Yeah, what is the cliche that people use where you know there's three or five plays that matter most in football and you just don't know which ones. Yeah. be right and part of those can certainly be situational i'll be curious to see what news we hear trickle out of that scrimmage it seems like we got some good information from this most recent
0: i was i was pleased with the amount of information and if you want to learn more about those scrimmages you can go to auburnobserver.com check out the observations now we're posted Sunday morning about Auburn's return to the practice field and what they're getting in terms of uh, the scrimmage. This week, we will, uh, you know, you're, you're listening to this podcast, it's coming out on a Monday morning. Hope everybody has a safe, and uh, safe and safe and safe Labor Day.
1: Yeah, come home and see your families and friends too. Like go out, yeah, have fun with your family and friends, but also come back. Yeah, I'm not saying like
0: friends. yourself. I'm just saying if you're, <laughs> you're going to have fun, like enjoy the time off. It's been a rough year, um, you know. Enjoy, enjoy it with 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 the people you care about. But like, let's get everybody safe. This is we usually a dangerous year, yeah, yeah. even without a pandemic. We this need is you usually guys a to subscribe
1: year. to the uh, <laughs> to the Auburn Observer. So what are we going to do if you if you don't come back?
0: Speaking of the Auburn Observer, you can subscribe to dot Auburn, com. As we said, like this podcast and all the stories on auburnobserver dot com. They are one hundred percent free for the month of September. We will switch over on October first. Still kind of working out what we're all doing with the podcast, but we do know that if you're subscribed to the podcast, you'll continue to get the free episodes even when we switch over.
1: And Ferg's giving you three more weeks of content, so take advantage of it while you can. If you're listening to this, you probably already are, but hey, tell your uh, tell your friends and fam too.
0: Yeah, coming up uh, this week, I want to uh, we'll, we'll see what we get out of practice, uh, what we'll get out of uh, some sort of um, availability. Hopefully, rumor that we might be able to get some guys we don't know, always get. Uh, in interviews so let's see if that happens Um, on top of that I'm going to have a story sometime this week on Kalen Newton and just why it's clicking for him and also something that popped into my head over the weekend when I've heard so much about Kalen Newton why is it that Auburn gets the former quarterbacks and just turns them into wide receivers. They've had a long run of them. <laughs> it's true. And, and some of and some of your more popular names at wide receivers, especially these slot guys over the years, have been former quarterbacks. And I think Kalen Newton, he's getting rave reviews. The, the the toughness is the thing you hear about him the most. And it's like, man, dude got hit hit, hit around a lot at Howard uh, as a dual-threat quarterback. So it does not surprise me I like whatsoever. Gus
1: had a cheeky answer. Cheeky Gus, one of my favorite versions of Gus. I don't know who asked the question, but whether or not essentially Newton would be a gadget player, and he was like, "I'm not gonna tell you guys that."
0: I, you feel bad because like whoever asked that question, it seemed like he was probably a college, college kid or something some kind. Well, I, you know, or like somebody, uh, he was someone that did not recognize on the sure. on the on on most of the press conferences. Like you know, it's new, and it's like everyone, uh, the rest of us in there know that if you ask anything Gus related about trick plays or anything strategy wise, he's not gonna tell you. He's not gonna I don't tell think you. Any coach would. No. But especially that coach. Especially that coach. And, like, you just – I heard the question, and I'm just like, I was like oh, oh, boy. No, here oh boy. Here it you, comes. Oh, boy. Here it comes. You just start squinting on the Zoom call. You're like, this is not going to end well. Yeah, but Gus – I mean,
1: he was nice about it, but, like, point taken.
0: Yeah. Oh, pretty blunt. A, pre- a pretty sure. pretty, blunt version of uh, of Gus for sure. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, uh, some of you still downloading it through – auburnobserver.com remember sign up with your email there to get all the stuff in your inbox including notifications about, about the new podcast episodes Apple Spotify Stitcher we're on all the ones that, that you want to uh, one of our listeners Mark was pointing out to you on, um, on Twitter I believe mm-hmm. about uh, Overcast right
1: yes that's another platform that we can use and i think another one called pod cruncher hmm. that eric brought to my attention if you're using any of those platforms we're bringing that to
0: you as well yeah through the rss feed just find yeah. the one that find the one that suits you and it should, it should be on there cuz a lot of those things pull from apple and spotify and, and if love. it's not
1: just let us know yeah. most of them tend to take the feed from one of the the ones we mentioned first, like Apple and like yeah. Spotify, but we want to make sure you can get it wherever you find it most convenient.
0: And if you're on Apple or if you're on any of these other ones where they have reviews, leave us a review. Right. review. We, subscribe. We've all we've got some we've got some good reviews already. We appreciate everybody. Thank you all uh, for helping us out. Yeah, we're about to hit week two of the Observer.
1: Speaking of which, you guys have been killing it mashing that subscribe button at least as far as i can tell ferg please keep that up please share it if you've got family
0: and friends who care about auburn yeah we just hit we just hit it we're recording this on a on a sunday morning as, as we said we just hit 850 subscribers in less than a week i cannot thank you guys enough as you said it's all free right now to switch <laughs> over in october i hope i hope a lot of you decide to stay on board but even if you don't appreciate you for checking us out Absolutely. and see, seeing what we're about hopefully you'll stick on with the podcast as we will continue mm-hmm. to do this twice a week, and uh, you know indefinitely. Uh, that does it for today's episode, Henry. You have anything else?
1: Uh, enjoyed it. I think we're going to get more and more fun on the podcast, in part because with the thing we all want appears to be around the corner. We've been talking a lot about projecting and how much you can really be certain about yeah. these things. And it's like, all right, well, as it gets closer to the season, the lineup will become more clear, and then we can really start taking a look at Kentucky, which is a fun team. Auburn's first three games are all intriguing because of either some of the uh, prior relationships yep that involve coaching staffs and or players. And then, of course, like, Georgia's just going to be fun at the beginning of the year. Kentucky's kind of wild because they've been up and down. I'm curious to see what they do at quarterback. Like, this is going to be a first fun month of football. We just got to be able to get to it and get through it.
0: Yeah, we got to be able to get to it health healthily, as safely as possible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But it, it's been fun. I mean, this first week... Was really fun to get back to work because you know both of us we'd been kind of out of the game. We've been kind of out of the game a while, so getting close to that it's been super exciting. And you guys, the amount of response that we've gotten, uh, thank you, the reviews and all that good stuff. it's why we're doing it and why it's why we're here. And like the the uh, I know for me personally seeing the response this week was huge just for my psyche <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was really good because, you know, we were pretty nervous about the, about it launching. And uh, yeah, it's been a, been a rough year for a lot of people, mm-hmm. us included. So subscribe at auburnobserver.com. All you need is your email and you'll get all the new posts and podcasts sent directly into your inbox in the mornings. And uh, yeah, we're on all the things. Uh, I'm Jay Ferguson. AU you on Twitter. He's at paintsharpless. And uh, we will talk to you guys again on Thursday. Until then, subscribe to The Observer, check out what we got going on. Adios.